Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. The pound is the lowest of the low. Not only is it one of the world's weakest performing currencies this year, on a trade-weighted basis, it is now at its lowest since mid-19th century, according to the Bank of England. So where to now? Is the market now focused on every utterance of a UK government minister? Will it ignore everything else, including economic data? And what, if anything, can cause a bounce in sterling? And with Hillary Clinton stretching her lead over Donald Trump, is the stage set for the Federal Reserve to raise rates in December and will we see a rally in the dollar? Or does the market remain deeply sceptical about the strength of the US economy? I'm Roger Blitz and a very warm welcome to Hard Currency, the weekly podcast of the Financial Times on the foreign exchange market. Joining me to discuss the pound and the dollar and other currencies is Stephen Saywell, the global head of FX strategy at BNP Paribas. Stephen, you've been on your travels the last 10 or so days. Where were you when the flash crash in sterling happened? Well, hello, Roger. Well, uh, as you discussed earlier, I'm, I'm just back from Asia. And uh, uh, to answer your question very specifically, I just landed in Singapore very early in the morning. And it was about an hour or so after I landed that this happened, this uh, very dramatic move in sterling. So you turned your BlackBerry on and, and sterling was at? <laughs> it was sub 120 right. against the dollar. So, so what was... do you think had happened? Well, this is the point. So I looked at this with a fresh pair of eyes, I had assumed something very dramatic had happened, as though the government had made a significant decision um, along the lines of, of Theresa May's recent comments at the uh, Conservative Party conference. So the first thing I started to do, remember I wasn't in the office, so I, I started to seek out information. And what was interesting, there wasn't any. And everyone <laughs> seemed to be scratching their heads. And the most quoted answer to what had happened was some kind of algorithmic error or the fat finger. So a a trading issue that had pushed it down here. So from my perspective, I was relieved in a way because it was such an aggressive move and it did rebound quite strongly. But not totally, did it? Not at the time. We got back to around 124, which was quite a significant move. But no, sterling has remained. It's now a little bit weaker. But clearly, this has been the direction of travel. Since Friday, since Friday morning, sterling has been super weak. Um, From my measure against the dollar, we're around about a a 30-year low. I have to go back that that far to to see a level around here. But it's very clear. The clear case in financial markets, uncertainty is a problem. The market doesn't know what's going to happen. And we're talking primarily about the UK's relationship with the EU. We voted for Brexit, but we've got to live with this uncertainty for a while. And from that perspective, the market is very nervous. We'll get into a bit more detail about Sterling's Fall in a minute. But how freakish are such dramatic moves these days? Um, should should we see this as a one-off or is it part of a pattern? Well, it, it can happen. We, we've seen these in the past. A, a classic case of this is dollar-yen, um, which mm. often trades as a, uh, a safe haven. So the yen is often uh, bought or bid up during times of stress. And when you see that happen, you see the pair dollar-yen fall very, very sharply. So it it can happen. I wouldn't say it's uh, completely unusual, but doesn't occur on a frequent basis. So just coming back to 
Sterling. What phase are we in? We've been through a few phases since the referendum. We had that dramatic, obviously, crash mm. after uh, June 23rd. We then kind of went fairly um, marking time. Mm. Sterling seemed to be okay, good economic data. Seems to be we're very much into a, a third phase. This feels like it's going to be around for a while, does it? Well, I'll go out on a limb here. Our approach at BNP Paribas, we, we have a, a quite a quantitative uh, focus in, in, in looking at valuation of currencies. And what we've tried to do is, since the Brexit vote or the vote to leave the EU, um, we believe the new norm for sterling against the dollar is now around 135. So let's call it between 130 and 135. Prior to that vote, it was closer to 150. Mm -hmm. So we think we can quantify what the uncertainty of the Brexit vote means on sterling. Having said that, we think this secondary shift now down to, let's call it 122, where we are currently, certainly represents an overshoot. Um, We wouldn't say this is valuation. We would argue the pound is probably uh, too weak. So if you can, if you look at a couple of things in the market, if you look at positioning, the market is very, very short sterling. And if you look at the future scenario, it seems that the market is currently pricing in the worst case situation. So if we did see some kind of improvement, say we did see the government suggesting that the UK does want to maintain relations with the EU on a trade basis, um, then you could actually see sterling rebound here. So my message in this situation is that investors should not get carried away. Yes. So effectively, you think sterling has got ahead of itself or the market's got ahead of itself. It's actually envisaging a scenario that's at the worst end of circumstances for Brexit. And that's where it's placing sterling as whereas you are thinking that in all probability, we should reach some kind of a compromise negotiation with the EU? Well, I, I think this is the point, And it's, uh, it's going to take a long time. Mm. Um, we, we're talking about a two year period once Article 50 is triggered from from early next year. So we would suggest there should be some kind of, uh, of compromise here going forward. And I think the market is is responding currently to, in the other direction, that we are going to have a very hard Brexit and, and therefore relations with the EU are, are, are unknown. So if that is reversed, sterling should rebound. The problem with that scenario, Stephen, if I can put it this way, is that because the market has has got ahead of itself so quickly, mm-hmm. it means that investor sentiment towards the UK is going to be reduced. That's going to cause its own problems for the UK economy. That's going to push sterling further down. So it has a cascading effect, which which may um, count against the idea of uh, a rebound in sterling based on a compromise with the EU. Well, I think, again, we need to look at where we are sitting from a historical perspective. I think we're all focusing a lot on the dollar as well, sterling against the dollar. And we we've spoke about being at a 30-year low. We're actually not at a 30-year low against the euro. We've actually been seen a, a weaker level of sterling um, than a, against the euro. And remember, the bulk of British trade is still with the with the EU, even though it has fallen as a percentage over the last 10 years, that is still the UK's biggest trading partner. So for, when you look at that, where sterling is trading against the, 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 the euro, it's, it's not so extreme. But I think the bottom line for us is, I don't think this is a one-way bet, particularly when the market is very, very short. It tends to mean that if you do get a positive news, you could see quite a sharp uh, rebound because the market is all caught, well, effectively is caught the wrong way.
Okay. So just give us a perspective. Sterling presumably is one of the big issues, but the dollar is the other one? Absolutely. I think the overriding theme I hear from clients when I travel globally is the Fed and the dollar. And I think this is what's driving things. Um, Certainly from an Asian perspective, the big theme here is, or the big question here is, would a Fed rate hike mean a meltdown in emerging market currencies? Our view is it probably won't this time. I think there are two mitigating factors if we compare to, the, say, the original taper tantrum, as it was called from Bernanke back in May 2013, the two mitigating factors are these. One, when the Fed hikes, it's likely to be a very shallow pace of, of shallow trajectory. They're not going to hike four times a year. So that will, uh, I think, calm the market to some extent, and it will support um, risky assets like equities and probably emerging market currencies as well. Secondly, the Fed's hiking, but the ECB and the Bank of Japan certainly are not. This is a big change from 2013 because policy in these two areas is much looser than it was previously. So what I would suggest here is you've got a huge amount of funds coming from Japanese and European, as in Eurozone investors, that are seeking yield. And much of that money will find its way into the higher yielding EM assets. So those two factors together mean that we don't think this is going to be a catastrophe for emerging market currencies, as we saw, albeit temporarily, in 2013. Is a a market in Asia got beyond the Trump threat? Does it see any issue with the Clinton presidency um, affecting global trade, for example? Um, I think the the view from Asia is fairly consistent with uh, other centres around the world. I think Hillary Clinton is seen as a continuation of the Obama uh, presidency, very similar policies, uh, more of what we know. Um, it's Donald Trump that is likely to change things if, if he were to come in. But we would argue the market's not priced for that. The market is priced for a Clinton victory, so more of the same, which probably would suggest if there was a surprise, a bit like we had with the Brexit vote back in June, you could actually see um, a, a response, at least in the, in the near term, to, for the market to price that in. Emerging markets, Stephen, they are going to therefore not suffer from a Fed hike. It's remarkable, actually. You look at the outperformers and the underperformers this year. They're led by countries where there has been a lot of political risk and presumably there's going to be continuing political risk. I'm talking about Brazil, Russia and South Africa on the uh, outperforming side. Sterling, obviously, on the underperforming side. Um, Is political risk in emerging markets... um, less of a worry among investors? Uh, It's not going to go away, but it's simply not going to influence them as much. No, I I think it does remain a risk. Uh, Two points I would make here. The first point is you talk about outperformance of those currencies. Remember, that outperformance is often from a very weak base. Yes. So there's been a, a problem, such as Russia, and then it's rebounded which, from, from which that. Has, which was also connected to political risk, obviously. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think that's the first point. But I think the second point is, remember, this has been a year so far where the market has fairly dramatically adjusted Fed rate hike expectations, and it's adjusted them lower. So the market has tended to uh, expect Janet Yellen to continue with very easy policy. When I travel, a lot of investors are still sceptical about whether the Fed needs to hike rates at all. In that environment, equity markets, riskier assets such as EM currencies tend to do well. So the theme of uh, 
markets, financial markets in 2016 so far has been supportive for emerging market currencies. Okay, Stephen. Um, just to wrap up, what's um, what's on your agenda for next week? Well, what are you looking out for? What's your next uh, big thing on the calendar, or what 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 is the big focus of investors? Continuing sterling issues, or back to the U.S. presidential election? Um, I think that the U.S. presidential election will be will be important here. the The real question with the U.S. is whether Donald Trump is out of the race or whether he can come back in. But I would stress, certainly from a foreign exchange perspective. A Hillary Clinton victory is is pretty much what's priced in um, at, at the moment. Um, we will be focusing a lot on the Fed speakers. We have quite a few coming up um, and whether they will confirm uh, a December hike or not. We still think there's a risk that you could see the do- dollar wobble over the next few uh, weeks and months because it's still a long time to that December meeting and you could easily see something that could wobble uh, wobble the markets particularly with the US election uh, coming along but also sterling I think the market is very focused on political rhetoric coming out of the UK and especially will Theresa May uh, soften her rhetoric as far as immigration and the EU is concerned and of course this whole talk about the parliament and whether um, the triggering of Article 50 is something that needs to be uh, not made by the cabinet, but more broadly uh, by the parliament. So these are going to be factors that I think could weigh on or support sterling. But remember, the real risk for sterling here could be a rebound because (laughs) it's fallen so much. Investors are so short, it would be pretty vulnerable to rebound on positive news. My thanks to Stephen Saywell of BNP Paribas. We'll be back next week listening out to every single political word coming out of the US and the UK. Keep up to date with all the FX news on ft.com forward slash markets. Until next week, it's goodbye. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.